Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined again, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? Things are good. Things are real good. I'm excited to talk to this guest. This is uh, He's not really a fantasy guy, per se, uh, but I use him as a resource all the time. I think he's the best in the business at what he does, and this will be a really interesting show. Absolutely. Definitely the best in the business. And that's the great thing about fantasy football. You don't have to talk to fantasy guys to learn and to have an impact on the way we play the game. Since you already teased a little bit, I'll go ahead and introduce Jason. We've got Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap. Jason, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Thanks for the uh, very nice introduction there, guys. Sure. Yeah, I love love your work there, especially this time of year. We've got so much going on in the NFL, so much to look forward to over these next few weeks and months. And and so much of that has to do with contracts and salaries and, and all these incoming players, free agency, of course. And, and like Matt said, you're the expert when it comes to that. Uh, I guess so. Uh, I'll, try and, uh, <laughs> I'll try and do a good job here for you guys. Hey, Jason, right. before we get started, I don't know a lot of people out there that do all the salary cap stuff and all the things we're going to get into as much as you do. What did you just see a need for it and just kind of jumped on it and it started to grow, or has it always been an interest? How'd you get started? Uh, it, it was an interest for me when um, really just talking about the Jets with friends of mine and stuff like that. So really that was how I started, was just kind of tracking the, um, the Jets numbers, and it kind of grew from there. And then I thought it would be great to actually have something like this that did the entire football league. And, um, you know, it was also kind of like an educational tool to teach people about uh, different aspects of NFL contracts and the salary cap and uh, – Different things like that. But so you are a Jets of, fan, right? I mean, that's how... Yeah, unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. A, long, yeah. a very, very long-suffering Jets fan. We might have to get into that. I mean, I guess we might as well, real quick, just so I want to get your opinion. This is not fantasy-related. But if I were in charge of the Jets, I would take a Browns-like approach to blowing the whole thing up. I mean, I'm getting rid of Mangold and Revis and Decker and Marshall and Harris and getting all those comp picks and I am starting from scratch to me that roster is about as bad as it can get yeah I think that's pretty much what they have to do uh the Jets did that a couple of years ago in the first year that John Idzik was hired it was not a uh, very pleasant experience sure but you know the the bottom line for any of this is when you're a really bad football team like the Browns like the 49ers right now like the Jets if you don't draft well there's no way you're going to have a long-term fix so if the Jets continue to draft the way that they've drafted it really doesn't matter what they do. They're going to continue to be a really poor team. Uh, but they're probably the oldest team in the league or very close to it. Um, you know, the Ravens are pretty old as well. And they're definitely one of the slowest teams in the NFL. So I, I don't see I don't see any way that they can kind of continue down this path and, uh, you know, not just kind of blow things up, take a step back, get younger, and hope they get the right players this year. Almost lose on purpose like Cleveland and accumulate draft capital like crazy. Yeah, you know, that that's uh, one of the things they may have to try and do. But again, you know, if they if they just keep drafting as poorly as they have, I mean, I, I was looking at this the other <laughs> night. They haven't had a second-round draft pick that's been any good since David Harris, I think, in 2007. Um, wow. You know, it, it's just – it's it's been awful. Uh, you know, I think I made the comment the other day that Stephen Hill was probably their best second-round pick of the last five years, and that that's awful. That's I mean, horrible. he's terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, not not a good not a good spot to be in. Uh, if you're a longtime Jets fan, you know we're, we're kind of back in the 1990s in the uh, 
you know, that, that real dark period of the, the Coslet Carol Cotite, um, little period there. And that, that's, that's not a good place to be. Probably not, uh, somewhere where a lot of young fans have, uh, really ever been. Well, let's get into this, but I think I would rather be in charge of rebuilding the Niners or Browns right now than the Jets. Uh, well, they're both in a better spot. They're, they're both better off with their salary cap situations, and there's no expectations at all I think, right. really, for either of those teams, <laughs> especially in Cleveland. Uh, so that's always helpful. And both those teams have more in the way of draft capital, specifically the Browns. Uh, the Browns have been able to make a lot of trades to amass a ton of draft picks. So they at least have that kind of potential to get better very quickly um, if they make the right selections. Jason, I've been reading up on your articles lately. You've covered nearly every position as far as potential cap cuts. And that's one big topic, especially once the Super Bowl wraps up later this week, that NFL fans will really be following closely and fantasy football players as well. And we want to get into that especially at those four positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end is what we'll focus on today. And I noticed as I was reading those, you talk about cap saved versus cash saved. And sometimes those numbers were the same. Sometimes they were very different. I guess just educate us a little bit on exactly what those two numbers mean, what the differences are, and and which one of those is more important to NFL teams. Well, the salary cap is an accounting term. So, it, it, the importance of it is probably dependent on a team's salary cap situation. Uh, basically, the, the main difference is that um, a salary cap charge, if someone gives you a large signing bonus, that's going to be divided equally uh, among the years of the uh, the contract, whereas the cash is all going to be paid in the, the year that it's promised. So for a team, um, the, the cash is by far the most important part of a contract because that's the amount of money they're going to be paying a player. So even if a player is underperforming and might have a high salary cap charge, but the, the cash salary is reasonable, they may look at that and say, you know what, this is actually cheaper than us going out and signing maybe an equivalent player where we're going to have to give him a brand new four-year contract that's going to include a big signing bonus in there. For teams that are always up against the salary cap, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the Eagles this year, traditionally the the Saints, the salary cap number becomes incredibly important for those teams because they have to comply, um, you know, with those NFL limits, those accounting limits that are there. And for them, that's just as important, if not more important than the cash component. Uh, In the past, uh, before they introduced these new carryover rules and uh, differences in the way that uh, minimum spending um, is accounted for in the NFL, the salary cap was probably more important to a lot of teams, but right now where you have teams with close to a hundred million in cap space, um, they're not going to care at all about what the salary cap charges are for any of the players on their roster um, because they're, they're in no, there's no danger for them whatsoever. Jason, I got a quick question too, that you know, kind of off script here. And it just kind of dawns on me, you know, with the Super Bowl right around the corner, is it true or false? Or again, can you explain it to our audience and to myself? Cause I honestly don't know either the, the way that the Patriots have handled Brady's contract over the years. Like he isn't the $25 million cap hit that some of these quarterbacks are right. No, no. Brady is um, it's pretty always, unique. They, they've always, yeah. They, they've always been able to make a case with him that it's kind of all about the team and he's bought into that. And once you get a player at that position that buys into that, it really doesn't give anyone else on that team a leg to stand on when they start looking for gigantic money. And that's one of the reasons why 
when you look at the Patriots through the years, um, whether it's Chandler Jones this past year, or Jamie Collins being traded away, um, you know, Richard Seymour in the past, Randy Moss, as soon as the talk turns to money and the salaries get to be high, they basically point to an example of Tom Brady and those players are out. Uh, they've been able to get Brady to take contracts that have probably almost all been below market value. Um, I, I would say in his entire career, he's probably taken one market value contract. That was the contract he signed in 2010. And uh, at least I believe it was 2010. And I think he got a lot of, um, a lot of negative thoughts on that because of when he signed, because of all the, the stuff going on with the lockout at the time, people didn't want him to sign at all, I think. But other than that time, and then they, they, they superseded that contract a couple of years later to uh, bring that money way down. Uh, it's given them a big competitive advantage for a lot of different reasons. And no one else in the league has been able to kind of create that um, with any given player uh, and certainly not with an entire roster the way the Patriots have. So Packers, Steelers, Colts fans out there saying, well, why don't we do that with our star quarterback? Is the answer just because Brady's unique and he'll take less? Yeah, I think that's the main reason. Uh, just about anyone else, their agent is going to say, "No, you know, right. I'm going to I'm going to take my guy to the market. If you're not if you're not going to come up with a deal, uh, you know, you want to keep franchise tagging him and clog up your salary cap, and then we'll take him to the market three years from now. That's fine. And no, I, I don't think anyone else has been able to do that. Um, maybe if you got a team that won as much as the Patriots when someone was early on in their career there would be a slight chance for it. You know, Russell Wilson probably would have been the a perfect opportunity because you were looking at someone similar to Brady and that it's a lower draft pick, uh, probably wasn't considered a high-end, the highest-end player, much like Brady wasn't at the beginning of his career. But it's got to start there, and uh, no one else has really been able to tap into that. All right, Jason, let's dive into some of these quarterbacks. Uh, I think some of these players at this point are foregone conclusions that they'll probably be cut, but I'd, I'd just love to hear from you as far as the cap ramifications for their current teams and maybe even potential suitors for those players. Uh, Jay Cutler is the first one you mentioned. Uh, of course, things have not been going well for the Bears in general and, and his relationship. What do you see there? Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if Cutler's back on the team next season. Uh, he'll save $14 million on the cap if he's cut. Uh, the bigger thing for the Bears is that they'll save $15 million. And on top of that, I mean, he's just a big negative, I think, in Chicago at this point. Uh, he's never healthy. You'll never get 16 games out of him. Uh, he probably needs to be in a, a much smaller market with probably no expectations. Uh, you know, a team like a... I, obviously Tennessee doesn't need him, but a, a market like that, a Jacksonville, Jacksonville, yeah, um, you know, the, those are the kind of areas where maybe he would do well in. Uh, he's got tremendous talent, but at this point, he, he's in his mid thirties. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. Things aren't going to change for him. No, no magic light switch is going to go off. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him uh, when he's released, or I, I guess they could try and trade him as well. Um, you know, I, I would think a. a a team like the Jets or even the Bills would be a disaster. Uh, but <laughs> I can't discount that from being the case. But he's probably going to be one of those guys that's going to finish his career at this point where, you know, every year or every other year, he's just going to be on a different uh, team and, you know, probably finish the team, uh, finish with a record, you know, six and 10, seven and nine, miss two, three games because of some kind of injury and uh, probably, you know, get taken to task for sulking on the sidelines or, you know, doing something to uh, annoy some people. 
Hoyer's a free agent too, though, right? Yeah, Hoyer is a uh, a free agent, I believe, this year. Um, you know, if Hoyer could stay healthy, he would probably bump his salary up into that high end uh, backup range, which yeah. is really where he was a couple of years ago in that, you know, that Josh McCown, um, you know, four or five, six million dollar a year range. Matt Moore, I, I, one of those type of guys. Yeah, I, I could see the, I could see the Bears for a season, um, you know, probably sticking with Hoyer, keeping their fingers crossed that he can stay healthy. Um, you know, he's a gamer and so he can certainly energize a team. Um, so I, I could see them trying that, especially if they get a younger guy on the roster, um, you know, to, to kind of groom behind him. Uh, I, I would think that makes a lot more sense for them than uh, investing more money in Cutler. He's a much better bridge mentor option than Cutler. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Cutler doesn't seem like he really has much going for him at all, yet some team is going to give him a contract. Some team will take a chance just because of how important that quarterback position is and how difficult it can find or it can be to find, uh, you know, a, even a decent starter. So he'll be an inter- interesting case this offseason. Um, the next guy is, is another guy who has been in the news a lot over the past year, of course, Colin Kaepernick. And Jason, I know he, he redid his deal, which was, kind of a, a unique situation. He wasn't playing. I know there was some injury ramifications with his contract as far as being guaranteed. And then once he redid that deal with the Niners, then he saw the field this year. Uh, and all expectations are he will not be back in San Francisco. Tell us about that that reworking of the contract he did and then what you see for this offseason. Well, what what they did was they gave Kaepernick the ability to avoid his contract at the um, basically right after the Super Bowl. Uh, he he gets the opportunity to just say, "I'm going to make myself a free agent." So I, I would imagine that he'll exercise that option because I, I don't think he would want to stay in San Francisco if he doesn't exercise the option. Well, San Francisco is clearly going to cut him. They're not going to pay him seventeen million dollars. Um, you know, he sat on the bench last year for a little bit of time. You know, he he's at that point in his career. Uh, he's a little bit older probably than uh, RG3, but kind of at that same stage where you know there's some kind of potential there. Um, you know there's something that happened in the past, but you're not going to pay $17 million to see if you can harness that, if you can develop it, if you can do anything with it. You know, he's probably looking at landing with a team somewhere between 5 and $7 million, maybe some incentives that can push it higher, uh, you know, opportunity to compete for a job, but I don't think anyone is going to hand him a starting job. You know, last year he had some games where he was very good. I think the game in Chicago, though, really hurt him. That was a terrible game. If I'm a team that plays outdoors, plays in the Northeast, I'd be petrified, I think, of him after seeing just that one football game and how things went for him in in that game. There's also some off-the-field stuff that could be concerning to certain owners as to how that's going to be received in the media. You know, I don't think that that should really play a role. I think most of that has died down. but you know, that, that, that can be an issue, especially if he plays poorly next year. And, you know, that becomes a topic of conversation. Some teams just won't want to deal with that. You know what? I think Kaepernick actually played a little better than public opinion realizes. I mean, the worst set of receivers you ever see. But him and Cutler, I'm really having a hard time finding a home for them if they're on the open market. Yeah, it, it's tricky uh, because there's so many negatives with them. And one of the things that – um you know, we've seen, I think recently is teams aren't necessarily willing to take as much risk on that as they would have in the past. They'll take a risk on a younger guy, um, you know, like an Osweiler last year. They'd rather take a risk, I think, on that 
than someone who is making that turn to 30 or just about past 30 that's really kind of considered damaged goods. And yeah, it, it's tough to, when you look around the league, it's tough to say, you know, these teams would be a fit for them. Uh, I guess maybe the Broncos could consider bringing him in to compete. I mean, they were interested in him last year as long as he was going to play for about $5 million, $7 million. He probably won't have a choice. Um, so maybe a team like that would be interested. If not, yeah, you're looking at those, you know, really kind of bad teams, you know, your Jacksonville kind of teams to, right. uh, you know, take someone in there to say you can complete uh, compete with Bortles and um, – you know, just kind of leave it at that. Kind of like an RG3 situation from the past offseason. Absolutely. Matt, as far as Kaepernick in fantasy football terms, he he kind of reminds me of Bortles this past season because they were both to the eye just watching these games. They were not good quarterbacks, yet they both put up pretty big fantasy numbers when they had the chance. I know Bortles ended up as the top 12 quarterback in fantasy. Kaepernick uh, was, was right there during his – his time he was playing, he was as high as uh, almost a top five quarterback at times. So those guys are tough to invest in in dynasty leagues because you just don't know how long they'll actually stay on the field. Yeah, and they may not even be starters. Well, I think Bortles is pretty safe, but uh, I don't know that Kaepernick's a week one starter. Yeah, I, I would say there's no guarantee on that either. Let's look next at uh, one of the big names this offseason who is, is already just being talked about quite a bit, Tony Romo. Uh, we all know the story there with Dak Prescott and, and Romo's back injury. I guess the Cowboys are going to try to trade him. Jason, that seems like what's going to happen. And if not, if, if there's no takers, they're just going to cut him. Is that right? I, I would think so. Uh, this is one of the more interesting situations in the league. Uh, I think Romo is still pretty highly regarded, even though you know, he really hasn't played football in two years now. Um, but I, I think the memory of him is pretty high. So I, I think people are going to be interested in him. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to try and hold him uh, if he wants to continue playing football. Um, you know, from a salary cap standpoint, it, it's a mess. Uh, that is probably one of the worst contracts in the NFL right now. It wasn't one of the worst contracts when it was signed. It became one of the worst contracts because every time they needed cap relief, they were going to Tony Romo and converting huge amounts of salary into signing bonuses. And so whether they release him or keep him on the team, the salary cap charge is almost the same. $24.7 million for him to back up uh, Prescott on the cap this year or $19.6 million if he's cut or traded. Um, so either way, they're going to have to take that hit. Uh, they save themselves $14 million in cash and future cap space if they actually get rid of him this year. So I, I would imagine that that's very likely. Um, I would think the way that this will go down is that the first thing that they'll do is say, you know, Tony, give us a list of six teams that you want to go play for, and we'll see if we can work out a trade to one of those six teams. If we can't work out a trade to any of them, we'll give you a release, and you can go and, uh, you know, choose a home. So if I'm the Broncos or Houston or whomever, and I say, okay, I'm going to give you a third-round pick for Romo, what, do you, what happens to me with his contract? You'll, you'll pick up this one year. Uh, I mean, it, he has a couple years left on his contract, but none of it's guaranteed. So the only year you're really going to worry about is this one particular season. And his salary for this year is only $14 million. So okay. as long as you have $14 million in cap room, I mean, that, that's a very affordable contract for an NFL starter. I mean, Ryan that's Fitzpatrick got $12 million last year. So I, I can see absolutely see a team willing to trade for that um, rather than getting into, you know, uh, fighting over him in free agency and 
stuff like that. Because once you go into the free agent process, then you're going to have to guarantee him money. And you might have to guarantee him two years. I'd be a little worried about that based on the injuries and everything else. I'd much rather give up a a third-round pick that can escalate higher if I make the playoffs um, and just pay him the $14 than having to sign him to a three-year contract that's going to guarantee him two seasons or something like that. Yeah, I could see four or five teams going for that. You know, fourteen million one year Romo while you have a guy that's young and learning. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I, I think that absolutely makes sense. Uh, you know, but if, it doesn't help I Dallas think, that much, except for getting a, the pick. No, it doesn't. But they they get something for him, and I, I don't think they have a choice at this point. Uh, you know, if they can send him to Denver, get him out of the NFC, I think that would be perfect for them, and that's probably a good match for Denver as well. Let Lynch sit behind him for one more season. Uh, you know, I I actually like that fit a lot. Um, oh yeah. You know, you know, and if Romo can stay healthy, I mean, that, that's that's a team that's got weapons. Uh, I mean, I know it's outdoors a little bit colder than he's used to, but, uh, you know, that, that team has the the players in place where he can thrive, I think, um, especially if they can get their, uh, their tackles on the line situated this upcoming year. Jason, there's also been whispers that Romo could just go ahead and retire right now. If he does, how, how does that affect the Cowboys cap? It, it would act uh, exactly the same. Um, at that point, Dallas could actually look to recover money on the signing bonus unless there's something in his uh, in his contract that doesn't allow them to do it. But I, I would be stunned if they did that because I, I think they would be happy if he retired um, rather than having to go through this whole process of cutting him or seeing him play for another team or something like that. Um, so it's probably going to behave exactly the same. It'll be a 19.6 million cap charge for the year. Our last quarterback, who's a potential cap cut, and this one came as a surprise when the news was first mentioned, uh, but now it seems like we've all kind of uh, accepted it, is the Bills' Tyrod Taylor. And this is the one that the numbers just really jumped out to me. Uh, in your article, you listed him as a $5.1 million cap savings for the Bills, but they would save over, over $27 million in cash, which <laughs> has to be one of the reasons they consider making this move. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the reason why um, they save themselves a huge amount of money this year. They also save themselves a couple million in future guarantees to kick in if they pick up this option. It was a um, a questionable contract when it was signed, uh, not so much because of the overall value of it. I think it carried a value of about eighteen million a year. But the way they structured this contract to have so much money up front to a guy who had started what did he start uh, the year before 13 games, something like that. You know, it, it, he missed a couple games, 13, 14 games. I mean, it was, uh, it was a, a big leap of faith for a player who in free agency the year before, you know, signed for like $2 million, $3 million was considered a, a low end project quarterback. So the bills really only have themselves to blame for that. Uh, clearly there was a big disagreement between the coaching staff and the uh, front office as to, what he was worth, um, I guess, got fired in the last game over his decision to want to keep starting uh, Taylor. And the Bills just simply didn't want an injury protection guarantee to kick in. So they'll have an opportunity to negotiate his salary down. But the way that everything went there, if if I was him, I, I would probably rather be a free agent and see if I could find a uh, another home where there's going to be more faith in me um, as a quarterback. Well, another team I wanted to mention the quarterback-wise we haven't talked about, Kansas City. You know, I, from what I understand, Foles is due $10 million. We know Andy Reid likes them. What if they're sick of Alex Smith? Could they go – could they part ways with both those guys 
Could they keep both? Could they trade for Romo? You know, like what, what are their options there? It seems like a hairy situation in Kansas City right now. Well, one of the two quarterbacks will have to go. I, I don't know which one. Uh, to go the safe route, I, I would think that you would release Foles because if yeah. Foles doesn't get a lot of interest in free agency, which he really didn't when he got released by the Rams last year, they can always re-sign him at a more reasonable rate, kind of like they did this year, you know, a couple million dollars. You would think that he's worth more to Andy Reid than he is the other 31 teams. Yeah, I, I would think so, uh, because if Smith does falter, I mean, that's a guy that you would turn it over to. I, I know, yeah, there was that rumored, uh, you know, Alex Smith goes to the Jets, Tony Romo comes to the Chiefs. Foles wouldn't be a bad backup in that situation either, given Romo's injury history and age. Uh, Foles clearly knows the system. Um you know, he played okay in the, the time he got to play this year. So I, I would think that they'll look to bring back Foles, but they'll release him first from this contract um, no matter what. Uh, but they, they could move Alex Smith if they have a potential for a higher upside player. Um, he'd save, I think, 7-2 on the cap if they cut him. So, you know, it, it would work within um, their salary cap construct to, uh, to be able to release him as well if they had a, a higher, higher quality player to bring in. And that's probably one of those teams, even though they do have some decent young talent, um, that, that's probably one of those teams that's in a position where, you know, if you're going to go for that Super Bowl championship, you probably got to take the risks to do it now because two years from now it might not, uh, might not be there to work. Right, right. I, I, I can see that. I want to tell everybody about Loot Crate. If you're on a, a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month. And it's even cheaper than that when you use our code, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or if you are that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise you know is coming. Every month there's a different theme and new exclusive items you can get only with the Loot Crate. Treat yourself every month or give the gift of geeking out to a friend or a loved one. Roll up your sleeves and get ready to celebrate some pop culture's most put-together franchises. February's hands-on theme is Build and features the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Batman, Lego Dimensions, and Tetras. And as always, our monthly t-shirt and pin. So you have until the 19th of February at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's themes crate. And make sure you head to www.lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint. Enter the code Dynasty Blueprint and you'll save two bucks off already a cheap deal. So got to do that. We love Loot Crate. Jason, let's look at some of the running backs who are in danger of being cut. Uh, and let's just start with, with one of the biggest names, Adrian Peterson of the Vikings. Of course, he had that, uh, that major injury that cost him most of last season. And he also has a major salary uh, coming up in 2017. Tell us about him. Uh, he makes $18 million this year. I think that's his. A- $10 million or $11 million more than the next uh, highest paid running back. So there's no way he's going to remain on the team. Uh, the Vikings do have an option on him. Uh, so if he I, was 25 years old and the best running back in the league, you can't pay him $18 million. No, it, it's one of those contracts. You know, it was signed back in the original one, I think was 2011. And it was the last of, you know, that, that time where there were a couple teams that were still paying highly on the running back position. Uh, so it, it's kind of remained this giant, outlier. Um, and yeah, there, there's no way that anyone, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell is going to be a free agent this year. And it's questions about injuries and stuff like that. No one would even come close to that kind of salary for him. It, it's just not going to happen. Uh, so I, I would, I would think Peterson will be, uh, will be cut or at the very least, he's going to have to take a significant pay cut if he wants to come back to Minnesota. 
And very often players uh, would rather take that pay cut with another team um, than do that with the team that they've been on all these years and, you know, think they're uh, getting disrespected or something by being asked to take a pay cut. Yeah, it'll be weird to see Peterson with another team, but that does pretty much seem to be inevitable at this point. Any chance uh, he retires? Peterson? I don't think so. I, I mean, he's been pretty right? he's been pretty adamant that he wants to keep playing. Uh, you know, he was injured most of the season, but I, I would I would think that he he gives it another shot uh, because so, there's going to be a team in free agency that's going to pay him at least probably five million bucks. Um, Dude, he's so, going to New England. I'm, I'm calling know, so it right I, now. It's a possibility uh, that he could definitely go there. I mean, that would be the kind of team that would take him on, um, you know, and have a chance to compete for a championship there. So I, I don't think he, he'll he retire. I think that'll be pretty unlikely. It seemed like the pairing for so long had been uh, Peterson going to Dallas, uh, you know, once he found his way out of Minnesota. And I think what's happened the past year kind of, uh, you know, killed any chance of that unless – I don't think he's willing to take backup money in a backup role at this point in his career. No, I, I would think that, uh, you know, Dallas has a big investment already in Elliott. Just the fact that they drafted him so highly that, that already made him like the 10th highest paid running back. He's going to be a lot higher this year when a lot of these big name players get released. So I, I don't see that. Um, you know, if the, uh, if the Texans, How about Oakland, Oakland, you know, Oakland could be a possibility. Oakland could use a running back. I, I don't think Murray's going to be back there. Um, and they could use a guy like Peterson, you know, veteran presence kind of on that team uh, there. I, I don't think that would be a bad fit at all. All right. What about uh, Jamal Charles in Kansas City? We already talked about their, uh, the decisions they're facing with, at the quarterback spot. Uh, Charles, just like Peterson, missed the majority of the season last year with that injury. Uh, he's not due nearly as much money, but – with where and with some of the options they have. And, and uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like they're going to keep him around either. No, I'd be pretty surprised. If you look at the Chiefs cap situation, they're, they're right up kind of against the cap. Uh, they do have Eric Berry probably to resign or franchise tag again. Poe is a free agent this year. So they're going to need to create some cap room uh, with some of their veteran players. They have plenty of ways to make uh, cap space. But I, I would think Charles is likely. I think they've moved on on the field from him at this point now. I think the Chiefs would probably keep their fingers crossed that he would just retire. Um, and I, I would think there's a better chance that he could retire given the all the injuries that have happened to him, uh, probably more so than Peterson. Um, I, I don't think Charles is going to get that kind of interest um, when he hits free agency. I think he's just too far removed from you know really being a dynamic player. Yeah, I would see maybe some team brings him in as a change of pace backup slash can't be the lead guy no absolutely not a couple of smaller names that are options and and that appeared in your article jason jonathan stewart of the uh, panthers and ryan matthews with the eagles you know i've seen the panthers projected to take leonard fournette in that first round by so many uh you know nfl draft gurus and, and these guys releasing these mock drafts so if that happens then stewart would almost certainly be gone yeah, I, I think they'll get rid of Stewart. Uh, you know, they, they could bring him back at a lower salary. Um, Stewart can play. He's another one that gets injured too much. Uh, one of his biggest problems, though, was the last regime that was running the Panthers really gave him a, a crazy contract for where he was. So it, it's always kind of put a, a bigger negative um, from people like me when talking about Stewart than probably the football talent necessarily deserves, simply because he really never played up to the to the contract and the huge guarantees and everything else that were in that deal. 
I think when you look at the way the Panthers approached last offseason where, you know, they, they didn't keep Josh Norman, uh, they made some other tough decisions. I think that was finally done to get out of this salary cap nightmare that hit them for about three, four years and really begin to make over the team, um, you know, in the, the general manager's real vision here. And I, I would think Stewart's just kind of a blast from the past that would, um, you know, probably get pushed by the wayside once he can get released. Um, Ryan Matthews, it's just another question of a guy who's not healthy that much, kind of uh, falls in and out of favor with Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia does have Sproles, who's pretty old, but they made a little commitment to him. You know, they have the younger guy that's there too, whose name escapes me right now. Um, you know, if it wasn't for injury, Matthews probably would have been tied to the bench for the last couple of weeks of the season. To his credit, he played pretty well when he got the opportunities, but my guess is he'll, he'll land somewhere else in another similar situation with uh, two or three running backs and, you know, you'll play the hot hand, fight for uh, carries, fight for playing time. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I really think that I know they're up in age and there. There's a lot of warts and the fantasy community hates those two, Stewart and Matthews. But when they're healthy, they're one of the top 10 players, you know, backs in the league still. You know, these guys came in the league with a lot of ability. If I'm a GM and those guys were on the open market at a discount rate, I mean, I would bring them in to back up Jordan Howard or compliment Jordan Howard or if I'm going to use a high pick on Cook or Fournette or, you know, I mean, or Green Bay, put him next to Ty Montgomery or, you know, somewhere where he's not the man but could be useful. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll both be in the league next year. I, I'd, be yeah, stunned right, if they're right. not, I'd be stunned if they're not in the league. And you know, getting but, carries, though, is my point. Like, I think they'll be used. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be used, um, you know, situationally. Uh, I, I would say Stewart probably has um, – I think he has more opportunity to be used in more offenses. I think Matthews probably has the higher upside to have, you know, just these monstrous games here and there when he's uh, really on. But, yeah, b- both of those players will be there, and they're both going to get carries. And, you know, if they get hot, my guess is they'll delete more and more carries away. I mean, much like, a, you know, a LeGarrette Blunt or something like that in New yeah, England. Yeah. You know, you earn those carries. That That's the situation I would see someone like Stewart in and, you know, probably Matthews in as well. Ryan, you get those two for dirt cheap, I would think, in fantasy, right? Yeah, they, I mean, they're both late second, early third round guys as far as, you know, valuing them against rookie picks. And, and really, all four of these running backs we're talking about, uh, their value is down just because of what Jason has talked about. Their inability to stay healthy over the past year and in some cases past few years. And their their future, their short-term future is is uncertain. We don't know where any of those guys are going going to be playing. So... Yeah, all four are cheap. I, honestly, I would take a chance on buying all four of those guys. I've never been a Matthews fan, uh, but this past year might have been the most impressive on-the-field play that I saw from him. It was just those injuries once again. Jason, let's look at the wide receiver position. And on your list, you didn't have too many. So uh, it seems like you know there aren't any that, that many big-name wide receivers who are in danger. We've already mentioned your two guys on the Jets, Decker and Marshall. So we'll start with those two once again. Is it a foregone conclusion that they're gone, or what are the Jets going to do? I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that both are gone, but I would say it's likely that at least one of the two is gone. Um, you know, I, I think Marshall's act probably wore thin uh, with the Jets this year, which has been his problem in Denver and Chicago as well. Um, so I, I think that's a problem for him. Uh, he had a bad season. This is two or three years where his numbers have been down, um, given his age and everything else. I, I think at this point, you probably look at him now as a number two, which is going to be more of a complimentary guy. Uh, Decker, you know, Decker's coming off that pretty bad injury. So I, I'm not really sure how much he's going to be ready to contribute at the beginning of the season. 
Uh, so that alone would make me think about, you know, moving on from him. The second thing is he really thrived in the the season with Chan Gailey coming in, uh, moving him around, kind of moving him into the slot. Gailey's gone. Uh, you know, the Jets, I, I don't know if the Jets even really knew what to do uh, for an offensive coordinator. They just hired someone the other day. Um, if he's going to be playing a different role, even assuming he is healthy, with, you know, Christian Hackenberg or something like that, I don't know if that's really worth, you know, sinking the money in on him. Um, not that the Jets have great young talent or anything there, but at least when those guys weren't playing, they, they had some passable players. So I, I would think that they can get by with the, the younger players they have and try and feature them and uh, move the other the older two off the team. Blow it up. Yeah, when you're thinking fantasy terms, of all the names we'll talk about today, Decker might be the number one buy. Not only because he has some, you know, some years ahead of him, but he's also super cheap. We're talking about probably a third round pick uh, compared to the rookie rookie draft that uh, are going to be happening over the next few months. I bet Bill Belichick would like him too. <laughs> Everybody's a fit on the Patriots, right? <laughs> right, right. The wayward, you know, it's the lost causes. Just go to go to New England. They save them. Most of them work out. Yeah, it's, it's worked out pretty well. The other interesting name on that list was Torrey Smith. Uh, of course, kind of a lost year for him and with San Francisco. It, it was a lost year for that entire team. Uh, I haven't heard many rumors as far as him being cut. Uh, so what are you what are you thinking on him? Uh, I just don't see any production on the field for him. Uh, you know, when he hit free agency with Baltimore – um, he had a chance to probably cash in big. He had a bad year in Baltimore that year. Um, that's carried over to the 49ers. Uh, he was terrible this year. Um, given everything that's going on with their their team, I, I don't know if that's a fit. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if having someone that, you know, his, his strength, he, he really complimented Joe Flacco pretty much perfectly uh, when the two were on there. And you're talking about a guy who can stretch the field, go deep. He's maybe, if you want to call him a poor man's Deshaun Jackson, um, something like that, but he's just so many years removed. Um, you know, San Francisco is certainly not in any kind of trouble for salary cap issues or anything. So, you know, just for that reason and their lack of talent, they could keep him. But I, I just don't see the fit that it makes any sense um, for them at all. I mean, they did try and trade him, but I, I think they wanted a lot for him this year, um, which really didn't make any sense. So may, maybe they'll back off on that, see if they can get a fifth round pick or something for him in a trade. Um, I, I would move him if I were them, and I, I could get anything back for him in a trade. Um, I think that's just save the money, and uh, you know if he goes and does well somewhere else, you, know, you just say much like Demarco Murray with the Eagles the other game. It's just not a good fit. Sometimes it's best to just move on, uh, you know, for both parties. Uh, one other name I want to throw at you too is Victor Cruz. Is, is he a foregone conclusion to be cut or reworked? Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah. I, I, I would that, that would be that would be. Uh, it, for him to be back at that number uh, would be as shocking to me as Adrian Peterson being back at 18 million. Um, the Giants have done very well by Cruz by honoring the majority of that contract, despite the fact that he's been hurt um, really for the last you know two years. I think before this one, uh, he was losing time to uh, the younger players, um, you know, down the stretch like Roger Lewis and those guys. So I, I don't see how he would fit in in the future plans. Um, I think even he knows that uh, his time is pretty much done in New York. Um, you know, just listening to him talk about it. Again, you know, if, if he doesn't get interest somewhere else, will he come back and play for the Giants for a million dollars? Sure. Um, but I, I think the Giants will tell him to go see if he can find another home before uh, 
he stays in uh, in New York. Yeah. Really, only one tight end I wanted to ask you about. It's Julius Thomas. Um, I've seen some, I, I guess, local beat writers suggest that, uh, just like you did in your article, that he will probably be let go by the Jaguars. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, Jacksonville is one of those teams that needs to uh, start kind of putting their foot down with their contracts. And one of the best ways I think that they can do that is to start cutting underperforming players, um, whether it's guys like him, or Chris Ivory, um, even if they're still owed money. I think you just have to say we, we need a we need a culture shock in this organization. You know, Tom Coughlin is there now to give them some type of culture shock. They need to do it contractually as well. Um, Thomas does have salary that guarantees if he's still on the roster a couple days after the Super Bowl. So probably if he's not cut by next Saturday, um, I, I would imagine he'll still be on the team next year, which is kind of crazy to me. Uh, it was just a really bad contract that they signed. Um, he's another one. He's always hurt. Um, not very productive. Um, I, I don't know why in the world they, they would keep him around, but they've also kept Mercedes Lewis there for a million years um, at pretty high salaries given his performance level. So I never discount anything from Jacksonville, but I, I just don't see the purpose of keeping him. And uh, I think it sends a good message to the locker room to say, regardless of you know how much you've been paid or what your contract states, that it's just time to move on. You would hope they start to do business a little differently with Coughlin there. Yeah, I, I would think that they will. Um, it, it's been just a, an open checkbook there for a couple of years. And and I understand that, uh, you know, they need to attract people. It's not a very attractive franchise to come and play for. But just some of the targeting that they've done, um, you know, at different positions, just so many guys that kind of fill the same role. It's, it's just, it, it's hard to really see much of a vision for anything that they're doing. Um, they started out very much like the Raiders, um, both approaching things kind of the same. The Raiders hit a home run with Carr. Uh, the Jaguars didn't with Bortles. I mean, that's the biggest difference. But uh, when things started to go bad with Bortles, you know, the Raiders were able to kind of stick to a philosophy. The Jaguars went way off track with just some of these big acquisitions and uh, different ways of structuring contracts to uh, make it much more difficult to move on from these players. Uh, that, that's definitely one of those organizations that really does need a shake up top to bottom um, to just – you know, they, they, they're a team that just needs to take a step back and reevaluate everything that they do. You know, scouting, drafting, contracts, salary cap, everything that they do needs to uh, be reevaluated internally. Jason, you mentioned the timing of Thomas potentially getting released, and that reminded me of something, something else I wanted to ask you. We hear talk about March 1st cuts and players being released in January or February, but they're tagged as post-March 1st cuts. Tell me exactly what that means and what's the significance of that. Okay. What, the, there's a couple of different contract mechanisms that come into play right now. Basically, most players don't have a salary that's guaranteed next year. So that, that's the first part, I think, of what you're asking. What happens is, is that teams um, negotiate into the contracts, um, guarantees the kick in if the player is on the roster on a certain date. Um, for Julius Thomas, that might be like five days after the Super Bowl. Uh, for a lot of players, it's the first day of the league year, which means first day of free agency, which I think is March 9th this year, um, you know, third day of the league year, or maybe there's a bonus that's paid on those days. So those players have to be released before those dates um, if the teams want to protect themselves financially. The post-June 1 cut, uh, that's the other option. And what that means is that you have the ability, if you're really messed up with your salary cap, to split the cap charges across two years um, by designated a pl- uh, designating a player a June 1 cut. Um, what that does is 
the player's full salary cap charge will stay on the roster um, as if he's still a member of your team, but he's free to go and do whatever he wants. And then on June 2nd, you'll only be responsible for the prorated charges um, in his contract for this particular season. And then the rest will accelerate to 2018. So, you know, the Cowboys, for instance, could do that with Tony Romo, designate him a uh, post-June 1, and that would allow them, instead of taking $19.6 million this year, to split the charge, um, I think it's like 10, 7, and 8, 9 uh, between the two years um, is the way that breaks down. So for a team that's tight up against the cap like the Cowboys and might need money for signing draft picks or something like that, the June 1 cut makes sense um, to use. But that, that's, the, that's the main thing. You, you usually might see, I would say league-wide, maybe uh, four, five, six players that are designated a, uh, a post-June 1 cut um, for various contractual reasons that teams will use that mechanism. Okay. I was, I was a, a few months early there. So it's June 1, not March, not, not March 1. Okay. That, that explanation makes a lot of sense. So thank you for that. Uh, next, I want to dive into a few key players who are going to be free agents. They don't need to be cut by the team. We already know their status for this offseason. Who are some of the teams that have the most cap space and could potentially be big spenders for these players? Uh, the teams that should all have over $50 million in cap this year are going to be the, uh, the Cleveland Browns, who are close to $100 million in cap room. The 49ers, who once Kaepernick's uh, deal is off the books, will also be close to $100 million. Um, then you'll drop down, you'll have the Titans, Patriots, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and Washington. I, I think those teams should all be right right around 60 to $70 million. Uh, And then the Chicago Bears are probably going to be right around $55 million in cap room. Um, of those teams, you know, who's going to be a big spender? You know, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I look at a team, teams like the Titans and Bucks, who do have some young talent on those teams. Those are the kind of teams that when you have this kind of cap space should be spending it. Those are the ones that have already done the building through the draft that they need to do. And now you complement it with those free agent players to kind of uh, make the next move. Um, Washington will be a big spender, but they're probably going to be spending to re-sign their own players. Uh, they have a large number of free agents who were contributors last year. Um, so I, I would look at, you know, Tennessee and Tampa, and I, I would look at them as being teams that will probably go in there and spend a little bit. Uh, Jacksonville seems to spend every year. Like I said before, that's a team that needs to uh, change that approach, but I, I don't know if they actually will. Um, you know, when, when you look at other teams that don't have as much cap space to be spending, I mean, the Saints find ways to spend every year. Uh, they finish seven and nine every year, but they find ways to spend. Uh, I, I would think Carolina and Indy, they, they also be right around $50 million. Uh, They might spend... I don't think the Raiders will be big spenders. I think the Raiders might go for one one player because they have extensions to worry about with Carr coming up soon and uh, Mac the year thereafter. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the list of teams here. Arizona, uh, depending on what some of their players decide to do, uh, that's one of those teams that's probably when we, I talked about the Chiefs being in that position where you kind of have to go for it. Arizona's probably in that same spot. Uh, I didn't like the way Arizona really looked last year, but uh, they're, they're probably another team that'll spend to uh, try and get better. And maybe the Texans are another one of those teams that's in that position. But the, those are teams that are going to have to uh, do more salary cap tricks with the contracts that, uh, that might lock them into the players for a while than you know, teams like the Titans. Who are the opposites? Who are the ones that are really not going to be adding anything? 
Dallas, um, Dallas, yeah. Baltimore. And even um, if they move on from Romo, they're still stuck. Still yeah. stuck. I mean, they'll restructure some contracts and I'm sure there's going to be a push for them to find a way to try and go after someone like a Jason Pierre Paul. And you can get creative and make anything happen, but Dallas has a lot of guys who are free agents next year. Um, it's going to be tough for them to really do a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, the chargers, they're not going to have any money, um, you know, to spend, uh, you know, they, they have Ingram who's a free agent. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, they're never really active in free agency. I don't think Philadelphia can be very active in free agency this year. I know there were a couple articles that said, you know, they have big plans to create a lot of cap space and there's a couple contracts they can restructure, but I, I don't see them as being in a position where they're really going to be able to spend a lot either. I need to ask a personal note. I hear my Steelers actually are better shaped than usual this time of year, although Le'Veon Bell's hanging out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they have, uh, they'll have probably be right around $35 million in cap room, which is right around average. Uh, as you would know, the Steelers, you know, usually every year, much like the Cowboys, they get into that mode where they have to restructure 10 guys on the team to be cap compliant. Um, you know, the, the purge, it wasn't really a purge, but, you know, the, the retirement that happened of you know, your Heath Millers, your Palomalus, uh, right, those right. guys moving from the team, that really helped them out uh, long-term because they got out of those contracts. Now, the question is, will they get into another set of those contracts now uh, with Bell and um, Brown. You know, Brown looking right. for extension? It's a possibility. Uh, but for right now, they're, they're in pretty good shape uh, from this point moving forward. And they bit the bullet on Timmons, which helped. Yep, yep. That was another one. So, Jason, as as I'm looking at this names of, of upcoming free agents, three of these guys stand out to me as possibilities to get the franchise tag from their team. Of course, Kirk Cousins with the Redskins, Bell, we already mentioned, with the Steelers. And I'm just not sure what the Bears are going to do with Alshon Jeffrey, but I can't imagine they're going to let him walk, you know, essentially for nothing. Before you talk about those three specific players, talk about the impact of the franchise tag because as I guess kind of a novice in this area, it seems like a no brainer for the teams. Why wouldn't you just, as long as you value those players among the top five at their position, why not just keep franchising them rather than give a long-term contract? So I feel like there's got to be a negative I'm not aware of. Well, the the negative that, well, there's two negatives that come with it. One is if you're a team that has, you know, is in a salary cap crunch, you, you can't really, um, you know, finagle the accounting on it. So if a player has a $20 million uh, franchise tag, you're going to be stuck paying $20 million on your salary cap as well. So for some teams, that can be difficult. Um, the other thing where it becomes difficult to do that tag year after year after year is in the second year, the player will get 120% raise. So that number can get pretty big. In the third year, uh, they get 144% raise or the tag is going to be equal. I believe it's to the... Uh, the quarterback franchise tag. So at that point in time, you know, where, where you talk about someone like a Kirk Cousins, you know, they might be looking at a, sal- a one-year salary and salary cap charge of, um, you know, $37 million or something like that in 2018. So it, it does become a little bit prohibitive um, for the team at that point in time. But before that, yeah, you're right. It, it's just a, it, it's a major, um, major point of leverage for a team uh, to negotiate better long-term deals with their players and it's really something that the union should be pushing for to um, get out of the next CBA because if there's something that's really capping salaries, it's the fact that the best players in the league, um, especially at the skill position player uh, at the skill positions, are not really able to go out there and uh, 
you know, get multiple suitors for them in free agency. For example, like wide receivers, and you know, you see someone like a Des Bryant at fourteen million, and then a Jeremy Macklin who was able to hit free agency at like eleven. I mean, the 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 gap between those two should be a lot bigger than that, uh, but it's not because of the way the franchise tag works. All that being said, and I think you're hundred percent right, but players don't like being franchised for that reason. However, it's not the worst deal in the league either. I mean, it's not the worst deal in the world either. It's guaranteed, and you get to be a free agent after that one year. Yeah, it's not terrible. Um, you know, it, when you look at someone like a Cousins, if you actually work the money out, if he gets franchised this year and then he signs an extension next year, or even if he gets franchise tagged the third time, his actual three-year pay is going to be much higher than Andrew Lux was uh, on Andrew Lux's extension that he signed just because of the way that the, the numbers will work out for him. So there can be benefits for it. It, it depends, I think, on the age of the player. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's still a, a pretty good salary for one year or even two years, um, and you're, you're fully protected. Um, you know, the only, only guys who have really had problems with that would be if you had a situation like Jason Pierre-Paul, um, you know, who has the fireworks incident, and that just, you know, that changes the whole dynamic right, there. Right. Um, but otherwise, no, there's really, it's not a, a massive downside, um, the way people I think make it out to be, I, I think it's more detrimental to the, the market as a whole for players, I think than probably to those individual players themselves. Jason, I got one last question. I don't want to keep you much longer, but you mentioned cousins. Uh, I, I'm, this is more of an NFL question. And it's, if these guys go sign a long-term deal. If Cousins gets franchised and gets traded to the Niners or Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded to Cleveland and they lock him up for a long-term deal, Glennon hits the open market and somebody signs him a three- or four-year deal, what kind of numbers do you think those three are looking at? Uh, I, I think Cousins, if he hits the open market, uh, maybe even if he doesn't, he has a, I think he has a lot of leverage right now. He'll probably be the highest-paid player in the NFL, which is probably right around $25 million. Um, so I, I would think – kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, it, it's the way that the, uh, the quarterback position is. You know, I, I was speaking with someone uh, the other day who works for a team, and they pretty much uh, – I think the phrase they used was, it's illegal extortion if you're a quarterback. And that, that is what it is. Um, you know, well, it's so, not as bad as, like, the Matthew Stafford, Stan Bradford situations. These guys, at least they've shown you they can play a little bit. So, right. yeah, it, it's not like the rookies coming in and, uh, you know, immediately becoming top paid players. Um, he, you know, he quote suffered through a first contract. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like that at all. Um, but, you know, he's going to cash in big. I don't know about a, a player like a Glennon. Um, you know, th- there were rumors that were out there about how much money he's seeking. I would think the fact that Brock Osweiler was so bad this year, yeah. um, that that's going to scare teams off. So I would think maximum he would be looking at a, a contract kind of like Foles did when Foles went to the Rams, you know, two, three years, 12 million, um, you know, with the ability to increase that salary a little bit. And if you do really well, you know, void maybe the last year, the, uh, year of the contract so you can renegotiate as a free agent. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't even pay him that much, but uh, I would be a buyer at that price. It would. You see, no, I wouldn't. I, I'd be too worried about that. I, I'd rather look at him in that 7 million range, uh, where I think Kaepernick is going to be, where the RG3s of the world are, um, where the Eagles put Chase Daniel. You, you can put incentives in those deals to um, you know, pay him if he starts 16 games, if he plays well, and you can bump him up. You know, if he plays well, I don't care. You know, pay him $20 million you know, sure. if he's going to play well. But I, I would rather have incentives in those deals to where he's got to play well to earn that money than 
you know, get 38 million, 37 million guaranteed off the bat or whatever it is that, uh, you know, an Osweiler got. Yeah. I mean, and I wouldn't look at him and say, boy, he's my answer, you know, like Houston did with Osweiler. I would bring him in, you know, if I traded Kirk Cousins, I would pay Glennon, you know, a third or half of that money that you gave Cousins and then draft somebody or, you know, bring him in to challenge Blake Bortles or something like that. And what about Garoppolo? You think he's a big money guy if he gets traded? You know, he probably will be uh, yeah. because the, they'll trade for him. And once you trade for the guy, they'll, you know, they'll extend him. It's probably, um, you know, I mean, he's not under the franchise tag, but it's probably a similar situation if you want to talk about old Patriot quarterbacks, you know, like a Matt Castle years ago, um, you know, gets traded out to the Chiefs and they promptly sign him to, you know, a contract that's, uh, you know, top 15 kind of contract. And I, I would think if you're going to make that trade for Garoppolo and pay something for him, you're probably going to make him, you know, low end starter money, which right now is like 16, 17 million a year. I would think you'd make that commitment. Jason, what about, what about Le'Veon Bell? He seems like to me, the perfect guy for the franchise tag. You know, he's had these off field issues. He's had the injuries. I don't know if the Steelers are ready to give him or, or any running back a long-term deal. Is he just going to get the tag? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he'll definitely get tagged. Um, I think the Steelers will actually look to sign him long-term. Uh, the Steelers' contracts are a little bit different than any other teams. They don't put future guarantees in there. Everything is just signing bonus. Uh, they, don't do, they won't do injury guarantees. I think uh, Roethlisberger is the only guy who has those. He's a quarterback, so make an exception for that. So I, I think they'll look to sign him long-term, despite the questions that are there. He's just so talented when he's on the yeah. field. I don't think that they, they really want to risk just doing the one year and then having to play this game with him every season. Because if you're going to re-sign a running back, you know, do it when they're 26 years old. Don't, don't wait until they're 27, 28, and then say, all right, now that we've run out of franchise tags that we can use on them, now we're going to sign him long-term because that's where you're going to run into, a tr- uh, into trouble. So I, I think they'll get a deal done with him, but maybe it won't be until the summer. See, I kind of look at it like you franchise him and think about it next year. Just because I worry for three reasons. He has a pretty extensive injury history. He's been suspended. You know, I mean, if he misses another drug test, he's out for the year or whatever. And Tomlin runs him into the ground. Well, yeah, that's the thing. There's red flags everywhere with him. When you you look at the usage there, I mean, this year when he came back, D'Angelo Williams was not to be seen anymore, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I look at Bell in terms of the kind of work that he gets, very similar to the way that Houston uh, used to run Arian Foster into the ground. That was another guy with a lot of injury issues. And, you know, he would miss right after he signed his extension there, very big extension. You know, he was missing half a season at a time. Um, and, yeah, that, that would be a worry with Bell. Now, if they're going to move on from him, then it makes all the sense in the world that you run him into the ground, you franchise tag him the one year. Right. Use a second pick this year on yeah. a guy. Yeah. Let, let, you know, let somebody else do it. So, yeah, if that's if that's the plan, then, yeah, it makes sense to let him play on the franchise tag and uh, go with that. But, yeah, in terms of red flags, you're absolutely right. I mean, y- you won't get more red flags on a running back than, you know, two knee injuries and a drug suspension. I mean, it, <laughs> right, right. It, you know, the red flags are they're everywhere when it comes to that. He's just so talented. He's just awesome, though, yeah. Well, I wonder there if the performance of Williams, you know, when Bell was suspended – and injured over the past couple of years. I wonder if that leads them to, I guess, leads them away from a long-term extension. You know, Bell, I mean, Bell is obviously great. Williams is a very good player himself. But to me, that shows them they don't, you know, they can get by without Bell, essentially. Probably. But I also think in the big picture of the organization, 
they look at him as Terrell Davis's Elway. You know, you know, Ben is the Elway on the downside of his career. Let's take a little bit more off his plate. Let's run the ball behind a great line with a superstar back, you know. But it, I, that's why I'd franchise him. I'd franchise him and I'd draft one pretty high this year and see what you think of both players a year from now. Jason, last guy I want to ask you about before we wrap up is Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, like I said, I, this is one I don't have a good feel for at all. Uh, so, so what's your take? Jeffrey is, uh, you know, he'll probably get tagged a second time. I think the Bears will probably tag him and look to trade him at that point. You know, see maybe if a team like the Eagles would be interested, um, you know, maybe giving up a second round pick or something like that. Uh, the last player of that talent to get tagged and then just let go I think it was Vincent Jackson by the San Diego Chargers. So my feeling is that you don't let talent like that walk, even though he had the issues, he had the suspension. Um, but I, I think they'll tag him again, and they'll see if they can move him. If they can't, I think they'll take their chances on having him play out one more year with them, and then then they'll let him walk after that. Matt, as far as – fantasy value he's he, I just don't know what to do with Jeffrey and part of it like we said with the earlier guys has to do with we don't know where he's going to be next year are you a buyer on Jeffrey and dynasty seller are you staying away what's what's your thought I own him in one league I'd probably just hang on to him and hope he ends up in a good situation I have a hunch he doesn't come back to Chicago there seems like there's bad blood there and if I own him I don't want him to go back to Chicago probably either um, he is a real tough one though Based on our ADP over at DLF, he his value's holding steady. He's still an early second, mid-second round pick in our startup draft. So uh, if, if you want to get out, he, he still has some value. Well, that will do it for us tonight. I want to thank our guest, Jason uh, Fitzgerald from Over the Cap. Uh, make sure you're following him at Jason underscore OTC. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>